Okay. So we've been talking about the bracha of Salah Lanu, Avinu Ki Chatanu, forgive us Hashem, for we have sinned. Machalanu Malkenu, that was forgive us our father, for we have sinned. Forgive us our king, because we have sinned, because you are the one who gives forgiveness. And Baruch Hashem, who graciously increases to forgive. That's the bracha we're working on. And we talked about, we mentioned that there's a set of parallels that we want to keep track of. Good morning. That we want to track that that will come up as a common theme. So that turned out that was what I ended with when I had jumped ahead to the Abu Darham because he gives kind of the basic background to the whole bracha that we usually, that, that everybody else kind of refers back to. So he points out that you have Slachlanu and Machalanu, and Slachlanu goes with Avinu, the father, and Machalanu goes with Malkenu, and Chatanu goes with the Slach and the Avinu, and the Machal goes with the Malkenu and the Pashanu. Okay, and we talked about that, and the difference in how a king would look at, at the one who sins versus a father, and how they're both not only legitimate, but <laughs> important ways of seeing the sin, but they're different. Okay. Um, so I want to say, I want to I look at this. We have Rav Schwab <laughs> addresses a question, which is, what does it mean? Well, there's, there's two questions. He's, he's kind of addressing a different question. He's saying, why would we ask Hashem to help us do tshuva? Isn't the whole point of tshuva that that's something that has to come from yourself? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of more addressing that question, which is also an important question. We're going to get to that subject a little later on the Ratzon. Um, I kind of came to Rav Schwab from a different question, which is what order we're asking for it. We have first, Hashem help us do tshuva, and then we have, Hashem please forgive us. Why do we have to ask Hashem to please forgive us if we did the tshuva? Maybe it's like accepting. Yeah. So here's so here's how right like you did the change, but does that mean you're forgiven? Like what? Maybe we shouldn't take it for granted. You know, we're so used to the idea that Hashem has unlimited amounts of forgiveness for us, but we do have to do tshuva. But if we do do tshuva, then that's not a problem, right? But maybe we're not supposed to take that for granted. We have to realize that like that's only because He's God. Like really, you know, if you do something against somebody. It's nice that you changed your mind, but... It's still there, you know, as much as it... No offense, but as right. much as that person said, I'm sorry... Right, it's, still, it's very hard to make it actually go away. That's why tshuva is like you know, supernatural. still remember, unfortunately, still right. remember. So tshuva is supernatural because it can actually either erase it or it can change it so that... Um, which is also a, a topic that's a little later on, that it, if the... Once you do tshuva, for real, then it could be that the sin that you did was part of getting you to a higher level. 
by the time you've got through the chuva process and you've regretted it and you've changed something in your life and you're doing it differently because you want to be different, then you might be at a higher level than you were before you did the sin, in which case the sin can become part of a mitzvah. But that's what right. they say about bal tshuvas, but you know... Actually, this is not even talking about Bali Chuva. Bali Chuva, we, Mrs. Khan and I were talking about this. That's a much easier case because you didn't even know, right? The real issue is for the technical Bali Chuva, the way the Gemara uses it, which is someone who knows better, mm-hmm. who was li- who's from, and then who sins, and then they do Chuva on the sin, uh-huh. right? That's, that's what the Gemara, whenever you hear Chuva, that's what it's really talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not talking about people who were raised one way and then realized, oh, there's a better way to do this mm-hmm. and like changed mm-hmm. because that's all up. Mm-hmm. Wherever you started, you're only yeah. going up, and nobody could hold you responsible for how you were educated as mm-hmm. a kid. That's not your fault, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's not a difficult philosophical issue. The the philosophical miracle is when you knew that something was wrong and you did it, mm-hmm. and then you got to cope with how you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that depends on how bad do you actually feel about it. Does it does it really make a difference to you? Like that you did something wrong, or is it just that you got caught? You know, there's different. We talked about chuva from ira and chuva from av. Are you afraid of afraid of being punished, mm-hmm. versus afraid of having disappointed God? Those are not the same thing at all. Okay. So Rav Schwab says like this. He says there was a son who embezzled. It's a mashal, just not a story. A son who embezzled a huge amount of money from his father and then disappeared. <coughs> <laughs> this is a pretty bad son. <laughs> he didn't just embezzle, and he didn't just disappear. He embezzled the money from his father and disappeared. After many years of not communicating with his father, during which time the son squandered all the ill-gotten money, <laughs> okay, it's gone, he tearfully telephoned his father, begging for forgiveness and permission to return home. You can imagine the father like, oh, so now that you have no money... I'm sorry, this is what movies are based on. Now that you have no money, you want to come home, right? Yeah. Okay. So, yes, well, but that's the great thing about being in America is the movies, the goal is to be Christian. So obviously the goal is that the father should learn to forgive the son no matter what, mm-hmm. right? But you could imagine saying... And they usually do. Why, you didn't beg. comes out as a happy Of ending. course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So why didn't you... But, but it would have meant a lot more if he was begging to be allowed to come back home while he still had most of the money, right? That's if he embezzles $2 million and spends... <clears throat> You know, $1,000 flying to Morocco. And then he comes back. And he says, I'm really sorry. This was, this was all a terrible mistake. It's really different than if he spends the $2 million and then calls from Morocco and says, I'm stuck and I am sleeping out in the street of the Shook and I don't have any. I'm really sorry. I never should have done this. Could, I, could you? Yeah. He calls and he asks for forgiveness and permission to come home. And the father, who has compassion for his long-lost son, readily welcomes his ba- him back. He says, of course, you know, you always have a home with us. Come home. And then the son says, but I'm sleeping in the shook and I have no money. Could you buy me a ticket? <laughs> hey. So then what happens? That's really, he says, what we're doing here. Because what we're saying is we want to come home. Bring us back. Like, bring us back. Where did you go? Well, you flew off to Morocco with all the health I gave you and the Parnassa I gave you and the family I gave you. You're off having your little party, squandering it away. 
And now you're, and it doesn't matter what age you are. Now you've wasted all the time and resources that I gave you for that amount of time. And now you call up and you say, Hashem, please help me do tshuva. Please forgive me. Meaning, not just accept me back. Please buy me the ticket to come home. That's Hashivenu before Slachlanu. Right? Like, I can't even get back. So I need you to buy me the ticket to come home before we can even really reconcile. Because I can't even get back on my own. I've used it all up. I don't even know how to come home. He says, that's what we're really asking for. So that's a very strange way that he's comparing it. Because what he's really doing is trying to show it. I think, I think it's relevant here because it's about tshuva. I think it's a relevant way to think about this. It's like right? understanding human nature, that this is how human yeah. nature is. It's, 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 it's more than that. It's, it's, part of it is human nature, how we will naturally progress through the davening. Mm-hmm. And part of it is to make us realize how grateful we should really be. I, mm-hmm. Which is part, the flip side of realizing how chutzpahdik we are. I think he's a little bit, that's what he's saying. He's saying, like, part of doing tshuva properly over here is to say, I have a lot of nerve asking. But here's the words. The, the door's open to me to ask it. But do I really realize what the door's, like, God is saying the door's open to say, could you buy me the ticket to come back? Can you help me do tshuva? Can I help you do tshuva? Whose will took you away from doing the mitzvah, Right. Whose will took you into, you know, the, the frozen yogurt that probably is kosher? What could be wrong in your yogurt, right? Is there a hechsher? No, but like probably what could be wrong? Or I don't want to be the only one who didn't do it, you know? So then who took you there? And now you want me to take you back. Not, not just accept you and forgive you. You want me to actually do the tshuva for you, right? That's, it's, it's a lot of nerve. But... It sort of helps to know that what the words are telling you is you've got to have a lot of nerve to do it, but realize that that's what you're doing. You should realize it. Okay. Now, there's a very interesting piece that I want to do about the slicha. And this is where... <clears throat> okay. Sorry. Rav Schwab says we do some we say something similar on Yom Kippur. He says Atanosin yad la poshim vimin chapshuta lekabel shavim. Hashem, you offer a hand to the sinners. That's that poshim are those who do pashanu, right? We've sinned. You give your hand to the sinner vimin and your right hand pshuta is extended lekabel shavim to receive those who do tshuva. So the right hand is always means the strong hand. It doesn't say the left hand, but it's a generic hand, right? Your hand is out for the one who sins, and a right hand is out for the one who does tshuva. That's a fascinating statement. I never noticed it. I always just took it as like a redundancy, you know, poetic kind of like redundancy. But I realized that I was using the wrong hand when I'm davening and I was was that to Shuva, I was going like this. Oh. No, you have to use your right hand to your left. That's what you if do. that's your strong hand. Yeah. Are you right-handed? 
Yes. Oh, yes, then use your right hand. <laughs> Sometimes in halacha, if you're left-handed, then your left hand is called your right hand because it's whichever one is stronger. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So Rav Schwab says he heard a mashal from, he says Rav Kaubach. I don't know who he means. I mean, there's the famous Rabbi Shlomo Kaubach, who was, you know, the musician, but he comes from a long line and a large family of Rabbi Kaubachs who are German, who were German Jews. So I, I don't know who Rav Schwab is referring to, um, especially since he was older than him. Like, I'm, it could be like a father or grandfather or uncle or something. <coughs> he compares the last moments of Yom Kippur to a train that has slowly started to leave the station and there are late coming passengers running next to the train trying to get on board, right? So the doors might be open, but the train has already just started moving. The conductor standing on the stairs of the moving train stretches out his arm to help them jump on board. Similarly, even when Yom Kippur is almost over, even when a person's life is almost over, the opportunity for tshuva still exists. The doors are open, and there's a conductor standing on the stairs with his hand out, trying to grab whoever is willing to reach out and grab his hand and pull them on. Hashem has this outstretched arm to receive even those who come late. No, I don't think so. It would be quite a, quite a pleasant surprise to be running late for a train and find that they're reaching out and letting you jump on if you can... Maybe they did that Right? You can't even reach the train. Yeah. Okay. So part of the... This, this idea is habali taher lo, One who comes to purify himself, one who comes to make himself tahor, is helped. You remember we've talked about Rashi and Bereshis, who talks about the world being created with a hay, right? Why a hay? Rashi quotes the Medrash. It's not the typical Rashi because it's open at the bottom that you can fall out, but it has another opening between the leg and the top so you can come back in because whoever wishes to come, in other words, there are, there's forces, there are hands reaching out. There are hands reaching out through the window of the hay to pull you back in. If you try and jump up and come in, then they'll help you in again. That's what this world is created with, with a hay, with a force above all that reaches out to accept us as long as we reach out to get back on. Okay, and that realization helps us come to grips with how could I ask Hashem to help me do tshuva? Why, how could I have the nerve that's who's here. Who is that? <laughs> I think it's Abby and the baby. <laughs> okay. How could I ask Hashem, help me do tshuva? And then, and then say, forgive me. Meaning both things? That's really a lot of nerve. So it gives me a kind of encouragement that even though it should not be possible, and I shouldn't be asking, I shouldn't have the nerve to ask such a thing, but that is really how it is. And since the world is created that way, Hashem is reaching these hands out to pull me up. So for sure, I want to put my hand up to be pulled in. Okay, so the Svasemis suggests that here's a, um, a kavana. This is, there's a wonderful book called Nafshi Chol Asav It's all, a whole <laughs> compilation of Divrei Torah on Shemona Esrei. 
This is a gift from um, Rabbi Roseman, Harmachutten. So, the, quotes here the Sfas Emes, saying, what should you think about when you say the middle brachas of Shemona Esrei, and you get to the end of each one and you say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Harotzeh B'Seshuva. Baruch Atah, each one has its, because these are the bakashos, these are things we're asking for. So the Sassana says, so what should you have in mind when you're at the peak of your davening, you're as close as you're going to be able to reach towards Hashem and His will, and then you're asking for something. He says, there have been established 12 brachos in the middle of Shemona Esrei, and of course now we have 13 brachos in the middle of Shemona Esrei, and each of these brachos is like a unique pathway for growth and development, and each day those pathways are like renewed. They're built fresh. So there's a way of getting, whether it's close to Hashem or repairing what's going on in our lives or in our, in our world, is renewed each day. So we daven about it every day. Each day we're not davening for what was yesterday, we're davening for what's going to be today. None of these pathways open incidentally. <coughs> They're not just, ran- as they say nowadays, random, right? They're not just sort of any compilation of possible things. Rather, these are pillars that everything else leans upon in order to function. Parnasa and health and tshuva. These aren't just many nice things and maybe you could think of other nice things to ask for. You could, but these ones are not just any nice things that somebody else happened to think of and write down. These are fundamentals. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, may his name be blessed, opens up every day the gateways to these paths. So there are gates, and it's an image, right? Gateways, and he opens them each morning so that you can walk down these paths. There's a gateway for forgiveness. There's a gateway for healing. There's a gateway for tshuva, a gateway for parnasa. And therefore, there's a bracha at the end of each request. If we were just requesting, then what's the bracha for? Asks the Svasemis. What, what's the bracha part for? The bracha is because we need to have absolute trust that each day, Hashem opens the pathways to these brachos. And what is in our power is to awaken them. It's almost like, I I don't know exactly what he means, but it's almost as if God unlocks these doors and we just have to lean on them and open them. And when we make a bracha, we're taking an action to get through through the gate. And that gate is new every day. And that, to me, kind of, it kind of reminded me of this idea where, like, you have to know that these gateways are open, that there are hands waiting, waiting to help pull you in through the window or through the gate, because otherwise you don't have the nerve to even try. You just give up. So it's really important to have what he calls complete faith. You have to have complete trust in the fact that these gates are open and there's windows open and there's hands reaching out for us. 
so that we know that we can approach and come and, and ask. And it comes with, that's a kind of humility, right? Because I'm dependent on someone else to pull me through. But it's also a kind of empowerment. It means there's no, I don't need to just sit here. Let me go try and get in. But I'll have help. Okay, so this idea of progress leads us to a whole new concept of slicha that I for sure have never heard. I mean, I don't understand. So there's slicha and there's mechila. And I think they both mean forgiveness. So why do I have to have two words for it? One is slicha, one's mechila. I don't, I don't understand the difference. Okay. So to open this sort of idea of slicha, The Chafetz Chaim says like this. I think he's addressing something very similar to um, to what the Sfas Emes said, which is why the bracha. Like, what is that bracha for? Sorry, my confused post-it notes. Chafetz Chaim says, "Here's the kavana you would have when you make this bracha: Ribono Shalolam." Ritzoni levakesh mimcha al haslicha. It is my desire to beg you for forgiveness and to praise you for it. It's such an interest, it's such an amazing combination. It's two steps. One is I want to ask for something, but it's also my will to thank you for it. Not, oh, I, you, know, you know how little kids, like they come to the teacher, they come to the parent, please, could I, could, could we have a dog and I'll, I'll take care of everything, you know, and it'll prove to everyone that you're the best mother ever and I'll love you forever and I'll wash all the dishes and, right? And then when the, if the parent says yes, they're like, ha, ha, I got it, and they run off. Like, <laughs> like I did it, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about, okay? This is such a different feeling. Because this is saying I'm asking for something, but my will is not only to ask you for it, but to thank you for it. It's a whole different attitude. The praise or thanks? Yeah, you could translate it either way in this okay, case. Also, so don't they usually say yeah. you're supposed to praise the person before you ask for something? Yeah. So over here, levarichoscha is to, <clears throat> neither word is really right. Because we've talked about bracha a lot. It's a two-way thing. It's really literally would mean to receive it from you and then use it for your honor. So if Hashem gives me money and I use that money as a way of praising him in this world so that I give tzedakah with the money or I feed somebody with the money or I, rather than using it to indulge myself for my own sake, then I've taken what he's given me and I've given it back to him, essentially. That's what a bracha is. Bra- that's why you can say you can give someone a bracha or you can ask for a bracha. Like, what, are you asking Hashem for a bracha or are you saying a bracha to him? Right? Because the word baruch means both. It means to receive it and then to dedicate it back. So that's why I kind of said praise and I kind of said thank because it was just like moving along. But it's really, I want to, I want to ask you for it. But in asking you for it, I want my goal is also to acknowledge you for it. Not to go running off saying, ha ha, I'm forgiven, yay, you know. Hooray for me, I did a good job. Right? It's hooray for Hashem, he forgave me, thank you. 
want to see. Yeah. I see. I changed my order over here. It's really wonderful. Yes, it's a wonderful feeling. It's just that it's not a feeling of I did it. Yeah. It's a feeling of gratitude because I know I didn't have it necessarily coming to me. So I'm I'm really appreciative of it, and I want to make sure I'm worthy of it. I don't want to let him down now after he's done that for me. Okay. So this is from Rav Tzadok. Rav Tzadok says, Why does the bracha end with Hanun Hamar Belisloach? Hashem, who is gracious and marbe, like increasing to forgive. He forgives a lot. It doesn't match the rest of the bracha, apparently. The bracha should have said, Mocha Vesoleach or something. It, all of a sudden we're introducing Marbe, but we weren't talking about that before. And we have only the Slicha, not the Mechila. There are all kinds of different questions here. Okay. He says, because Miyad Achar Hatshuva Baha Slicha. Right after we ask, we, we do the bracha about the tshuva, we have a bracha about the forgiveness. As it says, um, as, as the Gemara Megillah teaches us. He says, the Gemara is telling us something about these brachos. It's not just that you say the bracha of tshuva and then you say the bracha about forgiveness. It's that that's real life. In real life, you do tshuva and immediately you're at forgiveness. Just like the Shemona Esrei bracha goes from one straight to the next, that's what really happens in life. You go from one straight to the next. He says, on a mitzvah's ase, mochlin miyad, a person can be forgiven immediately. That's what a person, they confess and they make the request in the bracha of hashivenu, please return me back to you, Hashem. And when a person is forgiven for that, then they're brought straight back in. Come on back inside. He says, what we're really doing over here, if a person is forgiven immediately, then why do we need another bracha saying, please forgive us? We said this question before. So Rav Tzadok is suggesting that when we ask for tshuva, we're saying is return us to Torah, bring us close to avodah. That's what it said in Hashivenu. So that's really talking about lapses in positive commandments. You should be learning Torah 10 hours a day, maybe, depending how you're holding. For a man, not too many women who should be learning Torah 10 hours a day. It's probably the wrong, wrong use of their time, even though it would be fun to do, really. right? Um, and what we're saying is, please help us repair the fact that we neglected it. I should have... What's yeah. another mitzvah sase? I should have... I, I, I was supposed to listen to the Megillah, and I didn't. I was supposed to learn more Torah, and I didn't. Okay? Mm-hmm. When a person does real tshuva over the fact that they neglected a positive commandment, the tshuva, then there's immediate forgiveness. It's done. It's over. It's there. Once we have opened the door for tshuva and hashivenu, then we start asking, please forgive us for chatanu. 
We never mentioned any sins. We said, please help us do tshuva, but we didn't mention any sins. That was the last bracha. We didn't mention any sins. And in this one, we say, ki that's vidui. Oh, really? You did tshuva without even confessing? Where did that happen? <laughs> right? We don't know any kind of tshuva process that comes with tshuva before you even had charata, before you even had vidui, before you had kabbalah al ha'asid, aziva sachet. Like, what happened to the whole hilchas tshuva? The whole process of tshuva. You, didn't, you just said, could you please help me do tshuva? Okay, good. Right? He says, the reason that was okay is because you hadn't done something wrong. What you did was you neglected to do something right. So that really could be fixed, meaning that could be fixed just through the regret and saying, please, I'm sorry. I should have done it. I'll do better. That could be fixed. I'll come back. I'll return to the positive mitzvahs, the avoda and the Torah. Once we've kind of got our foot in the door and Hashem is forgiving us, we get up the nerve to say, could you also be soleach us for our chataim? Could you also be mochel us for our peshaim? Those are actual negatives. That's like I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I did something that I, God said not to do. So that's why we have, that's where we have to have, I confess, I did something wrong. I shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake. If I knew then what I knew now, I would never do it. And now that I do know, I'm not going to let it happen again, right? That's <laughs> a new level of tshuva where we're saying, forgive us for what we've done that is wrong. And that's in this bracha. And this bracha then ends with hamar belisloach, Hashem who increases the forgiveness. We started with something a little bit not so big. We said, um, right? We, uh, we started with the easy one to kind of make it easier maybe to do the tshuva and make it easier for Hashem to forgive us. And then we work from there into saying, and, and there were some bigger problems too, right? And then we get to there and then we praise Hashem for increasing for more and more forgiveness. Which is a, it's a really beautiful answer. He says, and that's not something that's like min hadin, like automatically that tshuva should happen. That's a chesed and rachamim from Hashem to forgive us, even though it isn't Yom Kippur, and maybe we didn't have Yisurim, and maybe just the fact that we're asking and begging. Okay, so now I want to move into a slightly different, maybe an increase of this idea about the slicha. Okay, so in Shmos, should have pulled it up, anyway. Um, the Jewish people, we receive the Torah and then worship the golden calf. And that's a crisis. And Moshe goes, and for 40 days, he fasts and he prays back on Har Sinai that Hashem should not wipe out the Jewish people completely. And Hashem finally says, and this is something we say all throughout Slichos and Elul and the beginning of Tishrei, and even if you're not going to Slichos, you hear it on Rosh Hashanah and you hear it on Yom Kippur, not so much on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Salachti Kidvarecha, Vayomer Hashem, Salachti Kidvarecha. Hashem says, I have forgiven, Kidvarecha, according to your words. Okay. The explanation of this, this is quoting the Tiferet Shlomo, is 
Kidvarov shel ha'adam uveoso ha'bechina. Hashem says to Moshe, I'm forgiving the Jewish people in accordance with what you said. In other words, matching what you said. The, the forgiveness you asked for is what I'm giving them. Which he draws a deeper lesson. He says that's what Hashem's slicha is like always, not just after the golden calf. In other words, the way Hashem forgives us, the extent to which he forgives us, the things he forgives us for, depend on us asking for the forgiveness. And the way that we ask, that's, I, to me, I, I never, like, I don't know, salachti kidvarech, I just took it, it could have just said salachti, I forgive them. But Hashem didn't say that. He said, I forgive them according to what you said. I just always thought that meant like, as you have asked, right? That's not really exactly what it means. So when a person has true remorse and does tshuva, then also to that extent is the forgiveness that he receives. If he does tshuva properly, like from, the, from all the parts of his heart, wholeheartedly and correctly, then the forgiveness he gets is also complete and wholehearted. And it will, as much as he has done tshuva in his heart to erase the sin, the causes of the sin, so will the effect of the sin be erased for him in the forgiveness. And also the converse. And everything can be turned into the good and the rachamim and the chesed, but it's depending on how we beg for it. And the Baal Hatanya, which I one of the early Lubavitcher Rebbe's, says something very similar. He says, Salachti kedvarecha, I have forgiven according to your words. That means, Klomar, kefisha tamavakesh, as you request. Zechizuk, this should, this should give us encouragement. Lehis orer, to wake ourselves up. Lehaftzir, ulehatir, ulevakesh rachmi hashemisvach. We should arouse ourselves to plead and beg and ask of Hashem for rachamim, lehisvonin anafsho, and not hold back. Really look deeply into our hearts, deeply into our, do some soul searching in this bracha, coming from a feeling that our whole spiritual life and our whole physical existence depend on how much concentration we can have in this bracha how much thought we really put into the words. It's pretty scary. Remember when my, my husband was in yeshiva, so they had these um, Purim play. So they have this Purim play, and they had a guy acting out that he's davening Shmona Esrei, takes three steps back, three steps forward. Bow. And while he's doing that, they had someone voice over, like, what his thoughts are. <laughs> They're all over the place. You remember? All over the place, right? And then you have where he said, he said, oh, who hit me in the chest? Oh, that was me, right? Like, we can really do that. We can daven Shmona Esrei and be surprised. What, what was that, <laughs> right? We're not even there. And the Balhatanya is saying, really, we have to, re- we have to feel in Slachlanu that our whole life depends on this. That the amount of Slicha depends on the amount of forgiveness we are asking about. 
How deeply are we asking? That's what it corresponds to. Because for all the thought and all the heart that a person sinks into this bracha, that is what will cause a reaction of more forgiveness and more purity and more closeness. And may Hashem merit that we should be cleansed more and more as in this bracha. So in Shemona Esrei in general, and in the bracha previous to this, where we say, Hashem, please return us to Torah, please return us to Tshuva, there we are striving, and in Shemona Esrei in general, to, to unpeel sort of the outer layers of ourselves so that we can get to our own deepest will inside. Our own, what, what do we really care about? Because we know that in the deepest part of every Jew's heart is only the desire really to do Hashem's will. Right? We have this idea, I mean, it's it, very rare it would come up halachically, but you do have, right? Does it force him until he says he wants to? What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> it's not so he says. Force him until he wants to. If you force them, then you would say they did it against their will, right? But there is a principle that we, it's not just a principle, we all know it in ourselves, right? That if we could get past all the other layers of things that we accumulate in our lives, and not only accumulate, that we're born with our personalities and our backgrounds and, and the fact that we have these other physical needs and necessities and, and things to keep us busy, but that underneath everything else, really we just want to do what's right. That's the effort to reveal that. Okay, so in this bracha then, forgiveness, Hashem slicha, is really a revelation of will. Like if a person asks his friend to forgive him. Even though he knows that he didn't actually do anything to him. But he doesn't want the friend to be angry. Okay, don't wait till I get to the end of this because none of us could say like that about God, right? He says, but you could have a situation where you have two friends and one friend looks unhappy and you're afraid, like maybe he's angry at me. I don't think I did anything to him, but I'm going to say, is everything okay? I hope I didn't hurt you. Like if I did do something, please, uh, you know, or even take the blame for something. You're right. It's all my fault. I'm really sorry. And you mean it, except that you didn't actually do anything. But if you had done something, you would really be sorry. And so you say so because you don't want the person to be angry. So what would be the point of that if you had that with going on with somebody? Where you beg them for forgiveness, what you're trying to do is change how they feel about you. It's different from tshuva which is your own, you regret and your remorse and you're trying to get close and come back to where you were. But there's an aspect of asking or begging for forgiveness. What you're doing is asking the other, the other party to come close to you again. There's tshuva, which is you coming back. And then there's begging forgiveness, which is asking the other one to come back to you. Not because they did something wrong, but because the anger makes them distant. She's saying, could you please not be angry and look at me favorably, and then you'll come close to me also. You'll come and meet me back where we were. 
so the point over here is that Hashivenu and Salachanu go together, and Hashivenu is first, because in Hashivenu we're trying to reveal our true inner ratzon, that which is to do what's right and to get close to God, and in Salachanu we're kind of asking Hashem to reveal His will. It's like the mirror image, or the second side of a two-sided relationship. We're saying. Could you reveal your will, which is to be close to us and happy with us? That's what it means to first ask for tshuva and then ask for forgiveness. And that is salach kidvarecha. That's why slicha is in accordance with how you've asked it. In the way that you've asked, in accordance with what we call isarusa dilasata, right? Arousal from below. That the one un, the, awakened from below, who's starting it, who's initiating the process, it's from below. And to the extent that we initiate coming close to Hashem from below, He will respond and come close to us from above. But then it depends on how much we've been able to do that on our side. <coughs> He says, this is also the Baal Hatanya. He says, that's also why it's Hanun Hamarbel Isloach, because there's so many levels. No matter how much slicha you've gotten to, if you have, can find more of the words in your heart, there's more slicha to be had. That, that responsive relationship is always there. The Tomer Devora says, sorry, we, just, we have like a few of these little ones, and then I want to pull them on. Well, I'm not sure we'll manage that today, though. That might have to be next week <laughs> to pull them forward. And to, um, Rav Hirsch has this whole approach to slicha that seems a little, it's, it's a little bit novel and very inspiring. Um, the Tomer Divorce says, Why do we say, Ki mochel ata. You are one who you forgive he says this is a very great mida a very great quality god doesn't forgive us through messengers what i I don't know i read that i was like wow you you hashem you yourself forgive us you know, it makes sense based on that Balhatanya about it being asking for forgiveness is asking Hashem to turn back close to us. Because, like, if you beg for forgiveness and you get a note delivered to you that says, okay, it's all forgiven, so you won't get punished. <laughs> but that's not really what we're asking for. We're asking for something much more than that. And that's right there, you. We're not, number one, we're talking to Him directly. And number two is that he's, he hand, hand delivers, right? He doesn't forgive us through a messenger, but through his hand, mamish. As it says, ki imcha haslicha, right? In Tehillim, ki imcha haslicha laman With you is the slicha. You're the one who holds that. Nobody else has control over that, only Hashem. Mahi haslicha, what is the forgiveness? Shehu rochei that Hashem 
washes clean the sin. Hashem Hashem will surely wash the filth of the daughters of Zion. And it says, right? We say this Yom Kippur time. Hashem will pour the, the mikvah water over you. You didn't even get in the mikvah. He'll bring the mikvah to you and dump it onto you. I went to Toivel some dishes. And, you know, we've had, for California, it's been really a lot of rain. Right? On and off and on and off and on and off. So this particular mikvah has, um, has pipes that I, I assume, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm assuming correctly, because we once designed a mikvah, so, <laughs> okay. It's got pipes that lead from channels, I guess, in the roof to catch rainwater to help fill the mikvah with the Mayim Chaim. So you can't really, you only see the edges of the pipes sticking out of the concrete, but you, they have to be on like a slope so that the water never stops anywhere. There's a whole design that has to happen. You can't just, you know, take water from your rain gutters and make a mikvah out of it. You have to know what you're doing. But there's been so much rain. Not only was the mikvah all the way full to the top, and you could see water dripping into it from these pipes, it had spilled out. And the floor, I mean, this is California. We don't have such an abundance of mikvah water normally. You know, you're glad if you were able to fill it once, and then you keep refilling from the tap to, like, top it off. Mm-hmm. And here this it's, it was like, it was almost that image of Eretisol as a land. Good morning. A land flowing with milk and honey. So when it says flowing with milk and honey, that's the milk is the milk from the goats, and the honey is the date honey, meaning we used to have date trees in our backyard. They get ripe, and they get riper, and they get riper, and they get fatter and fatter and fatter. And then there's like the bottom of the fig where the flower was originally. It's sort of the, the pitom, if it were an esrog, right? <laughs> of the fig at the bottom. If you don't pick them, the figs get so, they just keep ripening and getting fatter anyway until finally they like pop open at the bottom and juice drips out. Okay, that is date honey. Or that's fig honey. It can be, the honey can be figs or dates, right? That, that's so much plenty that it's just dripping out. And the same thing with the milk of the goats, the land running with milk and honey is the goats are standing there and they're so full of milk that it's just running out of them, right? You can't milk them fast enough to get all the milk. And so the, the honey and the milk kind of flow together, dripping. It's an image of so much plenty. That's what I felt like looking at this mikvah. It was like an image of so much bracha, in, you know, not of milk and honey, but of mikvah water. It was literally running over the top of the mikvah and like flooding the parking garage. It was kind of like a funny, it doesn't sound so nice, but it was really a very beautiful thing. Okay. So Hashem will pour the, the pure water over you. Like, you can't even collect enough. He'll just keep running and running and running with it. He sends the waters to wash yourself, to wash away the sin. The person sins, and Hashem himself, not sending any messenger, helps him fix it. You know, you broke your toys. You broke what I gave you. You broke all the resources I gave you. And Hashem says, okay, come here. Come here, I'll help you fix it. Not, come here, I'll have, you know, Jose help you fix it. Like, come here, I'll help you fix it. Right? It's just this beautiful one-on-one. So next week, Yemir Hashem, we'll start 
um, this topic of Rav Hirsch and his approach to Slicha, which is a little bit novel and exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a funny time of year to be doing tshuva and slicha, right? Rabbi Shalafan said that, Leila Shalom, said that someone her, from her community said, I did a shon hurrah about you, and uh, I want you to forgive me. So she said, give me a couple of days so I can work on myself. So I can forgive you. And a few days later, she did. Wow. Forgive me. That's not such an easy thing if you're not feeling forgiving, you know? And, um, and it also helps us appreciate this idea that, like, Hashem will forgive us. He has his hand waiting. So he's ready the whole time. Which is also amazing.